But um, we're going to go to First Samuel, First Samuel chapter five tonight. First Samuel chapter five. I, wonder, I, I love this story. It's one of those short, quick stories in the Bible. Boy, it's just—it's so good. There's a lot of stuff in there, and uh, you know, my message tonight—it's kind of inspired by some current events, um, a latest scandal that you know that's kind of got a lot of people shook up. And but before I get into that, I want to read this story to you, and then I'll tell you what I'm kind of what inspired this. You might wonder what they have in common, but you'll find out they do have a lot in common. But first Samuel chapter five verse one it says, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And you may remember the story. Uh, this was during the time of Samuel when he was young, and Eli, who was the high priest, he had those two sons, Hophni and Phineas, that were wicked. And you may remember the story how um, Hophni or Phineas' wife had a child and they named it Ichabod, which means the glory is departed from Israel. The Ark of the Covenant was taken. Uh, Eli, when he found out his sons were dead, he fell up backwards off his seat. He broke his neck. And the Ark of the Covenant was taken. This was a very dark time in Israel. And so the Philistines have the Ark of God. And this is, this is a big deal. And they take it to Ashdod. And it says, And when the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, and set it by Dagon. And according to you know history and stuff, you know Dagon was that half man, half fish, like a merman or mermaid or whatever. I've never heard people talk about mermans, but I know you can't call them maid. But anyway, uh, one of their gods that they worshipped. And it says, and when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. Now, from some of the stuff too I've read about Dagon, and of course this is historical stuff, the Bible doesn't give a lot of the details of the statue, but not only was it a statue of a half man, half fish, I've heard it was a very big statue. You know, one that uh, it's not going to get knocked over too easy. And the Philistines definitely aren't going to go knock it over. This wasn't some behind the scenes conspiracy here. Somebody faked this to make this happen. This was a miraculous event that was done by the power of God. And why they took that ark in there, why they set it by Dagon, I don't I, I really don't know for sure what the Philistines were thinking. I don't know if they thought, hey, let's put the symbol of their God and our God in there and let's let them duke it out and see who wins, or if maybe where that statue was, that's where they kept their most valuable things, and they knew that this Ark of the Covenant was very valuable. I mean, it's made of gold. And so they put it in there and not expecting anything, but being surprised when this this idol is fallen on his face before that Ark. And I, I just uh, I think we all can get the significance of that right there. Just a reminder of all other gods compared to our God. But anyway, so they, they raise it back up. They set it in its place again. And when they arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. And it, that's an interesting thing too. I mean, I think we can get the whole idea or the significance behind the head of Dagon being gone. It's like basically God said, you know, you can set it back up, but fine, I'll kill your God. <laughs> you know? And of course, this God we know was nothing, but to the Philistines it was something. And here his, his head's gone and his hands are cut off. 
you know, and it doesn't say broke off, it says cut off. That's a pretty supernatural thing that happened right there. You know, they could try to blame an earthquake or something to make it fall the first time, but the second time, and then the head and the hands being cut off, obviously it was very clear whose God was superior, and the God of Israel was superior. And then in verse 5 it says, Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. And basically, the place where Dagon fell, they wouldn't even walk in there anymore. Almost like they made it, I don't know, they, they made it even more special. Instead of saying, man, our God stinks <laughs> compared to their God, you know, they, why they did that, I don't know. I think once again, just that's how it is when it comes to false gods. People do anything to hang on to their lies that they have and not willing to admit who the true God is. But in this story here, I think we see what God thinks about idols. And first of all, when it comes to idols, we see that God will not share the stage with any other God. In the Ten Commandments, the first one, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Second one, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So right there, I mean, we see that God does not want people bowing down to idols. And of course, the Philistines did that to Dagon. And so you know what God did? He had Dagon, their idol, bow before God, basically. I mean, there they find him twice on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. And that is, I mean, and God, He's not going to share the stage with anybody. And you might as well just get that in your head because God is a jealous God. He said that in the Ten Commandments. For the Lord your God is a jealous God. And in Exodus chapter 34, 14, it says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, with a capital J, is a jealous God. That's a good verse to underline in your Bible and mark for whenever you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness. You know they like to call God Jehovah all the time because that's His name. You know they make a big deal about the name Jehovah. So you know God has a lot of names in the Bible, but they make a big deal about Jehovah. You know, and I asked one about that. Well, you guys make a huge deal. Why don't you just call yourself the Jealous Witnesses? He's like, what? It's like it says in the Bible, His name is Jealous with a capital J. And right there, I mean, He's got a bunch of names, and why they do that, I don't know. I guess just because they're weird. But God is a jealous God. And you know he has every right to be. He is the only true God. Okay, and just like I would, I'm my wife's only husband. And if somebody else tries pretending to be her husband, do I not have a right to get jealous? You can only have one husband. Okay, and there is only one God, and He is the Creator of everything, and He has every right to be jealous. A lot of times we look at jealousy like it's a bad thing, but it's not. It's a good thing in some cases, and clearly in this case it is, God will not share His glory with anyone. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is My name, and My glory will I not give to another, neither My praise to graven images. God is not going to share His glory. And unfortunately, many people try to glorify themselves instead of glorifying God. You get in the business of glorifying yourself, lifting yourself up, Mark it down. 
God is not going to be pleased with that. He's, he's coming for you. He will not share His glory with you. And God has always knocked down and defeated every God that man has used to challenge Him. If you read the book of Exodus, when He sent those ten plagues in and you study the gods of Egypt, every one of those plagues was directed at one of their Egyptian gods. Many times, the way God would defeat Israel's enemies was kind of based off the gods that those people served. It was just God's way of showing, I can defeat any god. You may remember the one battle where, I might, I might get this backwards, I don't have it in my notes, but where they were going to fight Israel and they said, you know, well, their gods are gods of the mountains, ours are gods of the valleys, or vice versa. So let's fight them in the valleys and they will win. And then Lord just, I mean, He utterly defeated them. They're in the valleys. You know, and it says, because they said that. It was like when they said that, that made God mad. And He's like, okay, we were going to put the whooping on you before, but now we're really going to put the whooping on you because you said your gods are better. And He proved them completely wrong. You know, that was one of the reasons God helped David with Goliath. Because, I mean, this wasn't, I mean, He was challenging their God. He was defying the God of Israel. And God wasn't putting up with that. He never has, and He never will. And, and today, the idols that people are worshiping today are not statues, but people. And I want to talk about fallen idols today. Because, unfortunately, another idol fell this last week. And some of you probably maybe follow the Duggar family and saw Josh Duggar, uh, not the one with the kids, but a recent scandal. And, I mean, I, you know, I was terribly disappointed when I, when I heard about that. And you know what? As terrible as that was, uh, I'm not going to stand up, I don't want to, I'm not going to stand up here and talk about Josh Duggar. I don't, I don't want to do that. We all know it's wrong to commit adultery. We know what he did was wrong. Uh, I'm not going to talk about, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to talk about his family. I think they're amazing people in a lot of ways. But at the same time, they become an idol to a lot of people. And I personally believe one of the biggest reasons for his fall has to do not with his family, not with him being in Washington, D.C. and getting corrupted there, not even necessarily just them becoming TV personalities, but because of what I would call maybe their minions, their followers, the little people. And unfortunately, many times we make idols out of people. And when you make an idol out of people, God's not going to put up with that. God is not going to deal with that. And you know, and so we could talk about, well, they shouldn't have let people make them idols. And we all know, I know that. But I want to talk to you all today because you know none of the idols are here today. But I want to talk about how we make people into idols sometime, and I believe help bring about their destruction. And many people like him who has fallen, and other people, some well-known preachers that have fallen. When you look at their ministries and their lives, I personally believe you can see kind of what caused their fall, and it had to do with the little people around them, their minions, their followers, or whatever you want to call them. And Americans, we are just obsessed with famous people. And honestly, that like you know the the Duggar family, and I'm not picking on the Duggars for this, okay? They you know they said they they got a lot of good stuff going for them, amazing people. But you know when they would go places, if they go visit churches and stuff, 
I mean, places would get packed out. If we, I mean, even today, after all that's happened, if I announced and started advertising that the Duggars were going to be here in a couple of weeks on a Sunday, we wouldn't be able to fit everybody in here. And not just because they take up half the room with the size of their family, but because of all the people that would want to come and see them. People will get, they get more excited to go to church about seeing people than they do about meeting with God. And we think God's going to be, and we think God's pleased with that. We think God's okay with that. And I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that. And the truth is, while, yeah, it's amazing. People have 19 kids. That's pretty impressive. A woman that can have 19 kids, that's pretty impressive. A man that can provide for them, pretty impressive. You know, the kids that, you know, for the most part seem very well behaved and like they, you know, they got their act together. Impressive. Not taken away from any of that. But at the same time, they're just people. And one of the reasons they're such a big deal is because they're famous. They're on TV. And when people are on TV, it puts them up on a different level. People treat them different. They act different. They give them a different set of rules because they are famous. And this isn't picking on them. This is picking on the little people that create these idols, I guess you can say. So how do we do that? What are some ways that people make idols? Well, go to First Kings chapter four. We're going to look at a, we're going to look at two kings. We're going to look at some examples of David and Solomon, two great men, great men, impressive men, men that I mean had a lot of stuff going for them. But we see these guys fall, and I believe we can see the cause of their fall. And once again, ultimately the responsibility falls on the individual. Okay, ultimately what happened. You know, with Josh Duggar, it falls on him, and I, I'm sure he claims responsibility for it. Nobody denies that. But at the same time, I believe little people kind of help push him over the edge. And when we look at David and Solomon, ultimately these guys were responsible. These guys were at fault, but it's real easy to look in the scriptures and see how they got to where they would get in a position where they would sin like they did. But in first Kings chapter four, verse twenty nine. It says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, than Heman, and Chalcol, and Darda. You know how much more famous he was than those guys? How many of you ever heard of those people? I don't know who they are, but he was better than them. We all know Solomon, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all nations round about. And so he's famous. Everybody knows about Solomon. Everybody's heard about the wisdom of Solomon. And listen, this was back before they had Twitter and Facebook and television and internet. And word got out, everyone knew who Solomon was. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of the trees from the cedars that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from the kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. People are traveling just to come meet this man. Just wanting to come. I, I, you know, we just want to hear him talk. Now, can you imagine? Okay, just let's just be honest with ourselves. If it starts getting out that everybody knows who we are, 
And we've got people from miles around. You know, just imagine me, okay, as a pastor. If I become well known and, you know, regularly we have people visiting here from all over. Hey, I, we drove across the country just because we wanted to visit your church. You know, I just wanted to come and visit. I just wanted to come and shake your hand. Wow. <laughs> well, I must be doing something right. <laughs> wow, you know, man, I must, I must really be something. People are talking about me across the country. People are driving long distances just to hear me preach. I must be doing good. You know, and getting our satisfaction from what the people are saying instead of going to God and finding out, hey, Lord, what do you think about what I'm doing? And I'm not saying there was anything wrong with Solomon. He was just using the gifts that God had given him, but they made him famous. And I'm telling you right now, this is just human nature 101. You get famous, you have people clamoring to meet you and coming all over just to see you you're probably going to get lifted up with pride, aren't you? Let's just admit it. Oh, I, I wouldn't struggle with that. Yeah, I think you would. And it's very clear. We don't have time to go into all the Scriptures with Solomon, but it is very clear he got lifted up with pride. He got way too big for his britches. You remember, the reason God gave him that wisdom, when Solomon was young, when Solomon became king, he got overwhelmed with the responsibility that God had given him. He knew he was going to be king over God's people. And he wanted more than anything just to please God with what he did. And God came and said, what do you want, Solomon? And he just kept talking about God's inheritance, God's people. Lord, I want to do a good job for you. Lord, please just give me wisdom. And man, God did it. He gave him that and He gave him everything else a man could ask for. But then, later on, when you read Ecclesiastes, he's always talking about himself, all the things that he did. All the things he... you know, I mean, just very self-centered. And you know what? I'm telling you, people come traveling around to meet you, to see you, to, just to hear you talk. You're going to get lifted up with pride. And Solomon did. And just following people around... You know, Christian people do that. I mean, when, with I, I know singers. Okay? Singers. Now, I love singers. Okay? But Christian singers that... They get up and sing. Okay? And I appreciate a good song. But they literally, some of the, these groups out there, they've got, you know, groupies that follow them around. If they are anywhere near them doing a concert or whatever, people will drive all over just to go hear them sing a song. They've heard them sing 18 million times. And let me tell you, singers are some of the first people to get lifted up with pride. I mean, they've got to make, they don't have to make any, you don't make a lot of strong stands. When you're singing a song, you know you sing a song. Jesus saves. <laughs> I mean, that, I think most people agree with you on that one, and they they just people go nuts over them. And boy, these people too. You know, the singers they're the, some of the first ones that just that go liberal, that start going with all the fashions and trends of the world, start dressing like weirdos and doing all the things they do. You know, once they start getting big, you'll see their music start going south real fast. Because right, they've got all these people traveling around clamoring to hear them sing. And it lifts them up with pride. And the problem isn't so much them. It's their, their little minions, their groupies following them around. If you had this entourage of people following you around telling you how great you are all the time, you're probably going to get lifted up with pride, aren't you? I mean, let's just admit it. I know I'd struggle with it. And following them around. And people did that with Solomon. They're just coming from all over just to meet him. He got lifted up with pride. 
And, uh, and, and so one of the things that happens when we start doing this, because they're big, because they're famous, people start going along with everything they say. Now, we know that Solomon was a wise man. Okay, He had great wisdom. The things that he said and did I mean, were clearly impressive. He was gifted of God. But you know what? This happens too even with preachers sometimes. They get a little famous. They get big. They get well-known. People come all over. They follow them around to go hear these guys preach. And they get to... And, and nobody would ever challenge them on anything. And these guys, they go places and they will preach stuff that clearly isn't scriptural at all. And nobody says anything. You know why? Well, because they're Dr. So-and-so. I can't say anything to Dr. So-and-so. He's big. He's one of the most well-known evangelists across the country. He's pastoring one of the biggest churches in America. Surely he knows more than I do. Yeah, he probably does know more than you do, but if you're able to read a Scripture that contradicts what he's preaching, Scripture's right. He's wrong. And nobody ever says anything to them. And so, man, I just preached to 2,000 people. And they all were whooping and hollering and amen and shouting at everything I said. It must have been right. And so they go to the next place and they say it again. And maybe they go a little farther off the deep end. Nobody says anything. And before they know it, they preach this so much, so many places, with so many people cheering them on, clapping for them, telling them how great they are after it's done. Then one person comes along. Maybe some layman in a church who nobody knows. And he points out a Scripture to him and says, hey, you've been preaching this, but you know the Bible says this. How dare you contradict the man of God? How dare you contradict me? Don't you know how many degrees I have? <laughs> and how dare he contradict the Bible? But nobody can say anything. And they never get challenged and so they get lifted up with pride. And once you've said something so many times for so long, most people aren't going to change their mind. They're not going to back down. They're not willing to admit that they're wrong and these people, they're, some of them, they literally, some preachers, they get, they get kind of famous in their own little world, in their own circles. There's guys in the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement that are famous amongst Independent, independent Fundamental Baptists, and they're going off the deep end in a lot of teachings, and nobody will challenge them on it. We make idols out of them, and then what's sad is many other people start following those teachings too, preaching the same thing. Knowing for sure it's got to be true because Dr. So-and-so is the one that teaches it. And make an idol out of those people. And then, what usually happens in the end, that person ends up getting involved in some kind of scandal. Maybe a financial scandal. Maybe a, you know, a, with immorality or something. And then people are devastated. Their faith is destroyed. You know why? Because their idol fell. And they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it anymore. And they're like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? I'll tell you why it happened. Because he was stealing God's glory. That does, I mean, you people were giving him all their attention. They were giving him all the praise. And I'm telling you, God doesn't appreciate that. He doesn't like it one bit. And listen, there's more than one way to worship. You know, worship, it's, it's more than just, you know, getting on your knees and bowing before someone. And saying a prayer, you know, we don't do that to people. We don't do that to preachers. But it's just it's honor in the Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary, respect or civil deference. And, and deference it just means a yielding of opinion. And we do that with people. We will completely yield our opinion to another preacher. 
Just because He teaches something, we will say, well, yeah, you know, my preacher preaches that, therefore it has to be true. Well, according to the definition of worship, just deferring to whatever He says and thinks, that sounds kind of like worship. Now listen, you know, I... I don't want you all to start arguing with me every time I preach and stuff right here. But at the same time, I don't mind being challenged a little bit. And here's one of the reasons. I don't need you all worshiping me and just going along with everything I say. Now, we can do that with God. There's lots of things I see in the Bible. It's like, man, I don't like that. But hey, that's from God's Word. So you know what? I'm going to go along with it. I will defer to God's way of thinking over mine. But I don't see in the Bible where we have to do that with people. I think I think we're, it's dangerous to do that, and, but unfortunately, many people do. You know, worship it can mean to adore, to pay divine honors, you know, to reverence with supreme respect and veneration. Okay, and boy, we do we adore people, why? Because they're famous, because they're on TV, because everybody knows who they are. Why do we do that with people? We are setting them up for failure every time. You know. Another way we do this uh, too that we can turn people into idols is literally by conforming to their image. Remember, we talked about this last Sunday, I believe, in Galatians 6.13. It was talking about uh, the circumcision. And it says, "...for neither they themselves who are circumcised..." Talking about the Jews keep the law. "...but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh." Paul was trying to say they are trying to get you to physically alter yourself so they can claim, hey, look, these people are like me. These people are like us. This is a Jewish thing that we do and all these people are doing it. They are becoming like us and it was a way to lift them up and make them look good. And you know, one thing I'll say for the Duggars, I actually think that they helped. You know, I think a lot of people did conform to their image as far as dress and stuff. and At least they dress nice. <laughs> and But at the same time, one thing we saw here recently, and I don't know if these are connected at all, but you know, we were at a youth conference. We were noticing some rather disturbing clothing. A lot of the guys were wearing that just, you know, I'll say it's kind of queer. All right, I know that's not politically correct, and we're like, why are guys dressing like that? These guys are supposed to be Christians. And we saw this video of one of the Duggar boys, and he was wearing like this exact same item of clothing. And Duggars are known for being conservatively dressed people, and it's like. And I don't know this, but I know teenagers and Christian teenagers are this dumb that a Duggar's wearing it, it must be okay. And so they all they all saw him doing it, and they all went and did it. I mean, literally conforming to their image. Okay, that that's not how it works. Okay, now I understand. You know, as Christians, we ought to try to set the example of dress and things like that. But at the same time. Sometimes we get a little too specific to where we are. It's like we're trying to find a way to make people look like us so we can glory in that. Hey, do you see all these people that look the way we do? That look like us? A way to point people at us when we're supposed to be being conformed to the image of His Son. Being conformed to the image of Christ. And, I mean, the right... If the, if the right Christian person starts doing their hair a certain way. All kinds of Christian kids, especially singers. Okay, I remember when all the weird you know, rock and roll groups started messing their hair up when that became real trendy. And I remember all of a sudden the Southern Gospel groups started messing their hair up. And then I noticed all the Christian teens 
messing their hair up. And it's just like, you know, people, learn to think for yourself. You know, why do you want to conform to the image of these people? And, and singers, like I said, singers especially, they're some of the biggest idols. They're some of the first ones that turn out to be perverts and stuff sometimes. And they are the first ones that go along with the image of the world and then it, Christians follow right along with it. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And God doesn't like it. Worship conforming to their image. You know, it would be kind of, you know, like I said, I could see it being kind of flattering to a certain extent. You know, if I, you know, if everybody was trying to dress like me, you know, so I'd, I'd get a little creeped out. You know, if everybody saw Brother Tom was wearing a gray suit today and great, you know, y'all wore this, all the men wore the same thing tonight, I'd probably get a little spooked. But at the same time, a lot, you know, while it would bother me, I think a lot of people would be flattered. And some preachers that have enough people following after their image and conforming to their image, once they start getting a pretty good sized group following them, it really emboldens them to where they will literally start preaching, this is what everybody should be doing. You know, this is what I do. Everybody should be doing this. And then they've got their little minions, their little yap dogs, their little you know, clones, the mini-me's. They're sitting on the front rows, whooping and hollering, amen and shouting. And man, listen to the response. This sounds good. I definitely must be right. And everyone's conforming to their image instead of the image of God. And all Satan has to do to lose them or to, to get them is get that preacher. That's all he has to do. And we, but we do. We lift them up, make an idol, you know, showering them with gifts. First Kings chapter ten. We'll look at First Kings chapter ten and verse ten. The queen of Sheba. She comes all the way just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And it says, and she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and spices, a very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these, which the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. And it names off all these things that she brought. And Solomon, boy, he just tells her all his wisdom. And I mean, can you imagine? Not only do these people come from miles just to hear you talk, just to meet you, just to see you in person, they come showering you with gifts. Tell me you're not going to get lifted up with pride a little bit. You know, that happens with a lot of these preachers. They get way up there. And they will. They'll go to these places, and people shower them with gifts. You know, they'll get the massive love offerings. And I'm not against being a blessing to preachers if the Lord lays that on your heart. But I'm telling you, that starts happening too much. You know, if me, if everywhere I go, I've got people just clamoring to hear me, and just people are giving me thousands of dollars just because I'm so great and I'm such an inspiration. I'm probably going to struggle with pride just a little bit. It's probably going to happen, and it happened to Solomon, and. Man just cannot handle being worshipped. When that happens, it causes them to struggle with pride. And in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, we all know this verse, you know, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We know that that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be in where we get lifted up with pride. We've got to be careful. You know, better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You're better off, as a pastor, I'm better off remaining a little guy. Remaining somebody that people don't know, don't pay a whole lot of attention to, than dividing the spoil with the proud. To make it into the big time. So I can get the worship. You know, to get the and and all it takes to make for some preachers to get famous is just for them to be big. 
You know, they got a big church, they're automatically a big shot. And I've heard some of these guys preach at some of these meetings and things too, and it's like, man, that wasn't that good. I didn't really get, you know, I didn't. They didn't really say a whole lot. But people, oh man, did you hear him? Oh my goodness, that was so amazing. I, I did. He didn't really say anything. But but he's Doctor So and So. Whatever he said, it has to be. It has to be true. It has to be right. I remember one one uh, one of the first times I heard one of the big name big shots. And I remember I heard him preach, and I was all excited. I mean, this was this was brother so and so. This is a big deal. And I went and heard him preach, and I'm like, that's not biblical. And you know, I'm ashamed. It literally took me like a week to process what I had heard, because I was like, there's no way he preached an unbiblical message. But I knew what the Bible said, and it literally after like a week, I finally admitted. He was wrong. <laughs> and that guy's in prison now. Uh, and, and once again, got lifted up, got lifted up with pride. Preached all kinds of goofy stuff there at the end that was clearly wrong, that made no sense. Why did he think he could do that? You know what? He had a bunch of little minions propping him up, lifting him up, telling him he's great, throwing money at him. Literally. And it emboldened him to say things he shouldn't have said, and it, it destroyed him. God had to bring that idol down. The little people made an idol out of them. And listen, mankind struggles enough with pride as it is. We don't need help, okay? I'm going to struggle with pride enough as it is. I don't need you all making it worse, okay? And I know maybe I'm hurting myself, you know, preaching against throwing money at the preachers and stuff. You know, maybe I'm losing out by doing that. But you know, I don't want to have the end some of these guys have. And it. It caused Solomon to fall. You see what happens? They start believing everything people are saying about them. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7, this is not long after David slayed Goliath. And really that was about all David. You know, David hadn't done a ton at this point. But remember the women that were singing? It says, The woman answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And remember how Saul reacted when he heard that? Boy, it made him angry because David has outdone him. But you know, I wonder if maybe David heard that song too. David heard these people singing, man, listen to what they're saying about me. You know, listen to what is being said. They're singing songs about me. Man, they said I'm better than King Saul. He's slain thousands. I've slain ten thousands. I'm the David, the giant killer. And he gets lit, and it didn't happen all at once. It was years later before he fell. But early on, he had people literally singing his praises. Now, listen, why were they singing David had slain his ten thousands? Didn't David in the beginning give God the credit? David gave God the credit for the victory over Goliath before the victory over Goliath had even happened. Hey, the battle is the Lord's. But I don't know, maybe somewhere along the line, as he heard those people singing those songs all the time, maybe he forgot that it was God God that won that victory. And he started thinking that he won the victory. They start believing it. And there are a lot of these preachers that people literally worship and praise all the time. It's like they start believing everything people are saying about them. All that message, it was so inspirational. It was so wonderful. I mean, I, I just, I felt the Holy Spirit all over you. You're just, you're great. You're the greatest preacher I ever heard. Well, you know, <laughs> they, they start to believe it. And what happens 
they begin to have a superior attitude and they give themselves a different set of rules than everybody else. David did the very same thing. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. David tarried at Jerusalem at the time when kings go forth to battle. I don't need to fight the battle anymore. I've slain my ten thousands. I've done my share. So he stays home. And it came to pass in the evening tide, David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, sees Bathsheba. And you know the story. You know what happened there. So David, because he's, because he's King David, because he's the man after God's own heart, because he's the one that people sing about, David now is shirking his responsibilities as a king. He's staying home while everyone else is out fighting. And he gets himself in trouble. And then he gets in trouble. And it, then when Nathan the prophet comes to him and gives him that parable about a man who stole a lamb, remember how David, he's going to pay fourfold. Now, how could David say that when he had done something so much worse? You know why? Because David was playing by a different set of rules. Why? Was it because God gave one rule for the little people and another rule for the big people? No, we know God doesn't work that way. But David was working that way. Why? Because he could. He was the king. Who's going to say anything? Thankfully, there was one man of God out there that pointed a finger at him and said, Thou art the man. You're the one that did that. You are going to pay fourfold. You've given the enemies of God a great occasion to blaspheme. And, I mean, David made God look bad. And Christian people that we lift up as idols, they make God look bad all the time. I mean, look at the stinking news media. I mean, they're having a field day with Josh Duggar. They're going nuts over him, making a huge deal. And this is supposed to be a slap in the face to all Christians. And the only reason it's a big deal is because you don't see Christian people like that do this kind of thing that often. But let me tell you, as long as we keep lifting people up and making idols out of them, we'll continue to see that type of thing. And so, you know, you've got you know, David a different set of rules. You know, the, the Duggar family, and once again, this isn't this isn't a slap in their face. Okay, I, I said I've I'm not trying to be mean to them, but you know. For their TV show, they had. I was reading some of the facts about it, I guess. But you know, they got paid like twenty-five to forty thousand dollars for each of those episodes they did on their family. Now, think about it. If you're, you know, if you're a family and people are paying you twenty-five to forty thousand dollars just to follow you around and film what you do, man, I must be a pretty amazing person. Wow, we must be quite the family. We're getting paid $40,000 to let people follow us around with cameras and we're putting it on TV and man, the ratings are doing great. Wow, people love us. They think, you know, they think we're great. Uh, some of the speaking fees for like, for like Jim Bob, I don't know what you know, Josh was getting, just to go some of the places he would go and they would just speak and give speeches, ten dollars and $20,000. I mean, if you're getting paid ten dollars and $20,000 to go speak somewhere, first of all, I'd be doing a lot of talking. Uh, but second of all, that's going to kind of lift you up a little bit, isn't it? Wow. You see how much these people paid me to come speak? Did you see how many people came to hear me? Me? I mean, wow. I'm really. And I'm telling you, it's going to go to your head. You go out, you, I mean, you can't even go out shopping anymore in public because, hey, it's you. Yeah, it's me. 
but you know, why is this a big deal? Because you're on TV. <laughs> you know, you're 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 special. You're famous. But you know what? All these people are people just like us. And so we've we've met some of them before, and you know, and they are they're nice, normal, down to earth people. But unfortunately, man lifted them up to a place that was very dangerous, and unfortunately, one of them fell. And it I, I, it could happen to anybody. It could happen to me if you do that to me. You know why? Because God's not going to let me share the stage with Him. He is not going to allow His glory if I'm up here and I'm speaking things contrary to the Bible. And you as His people, okay? Jesus Christ, He is the chief shepherd of the flock. And if I'm up here and I'm leading you as the Lord's heritage away from Him, do you think He's going to go be okay with that? Do you think He's just going to go along and stand by and nothing's going to happen to me? I'm telling you right now, it's going to end bad. And unfortunately, we set people up for failure when we give them too much praise, when we make too big of a deal about them, you know, and you know, when you idolize somebody, you're not just hurting yourself; you're hurting them. And worse than that, you're sinning against a very jealous God. Go to Matthew chapter 23. I want to just show you a few verses in here, real quick. We'll close this. Matthew chapter 23, and. You know, it's you know, mankind has not really changed. I mean, we're we we're pretty much the same thing we've always been. It's the same rules. But Jesus he's speaking to the multitude and to his disciples in verse two, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not, for they bind heavy burdens, grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. He's saying, they they give you all these things that you're supposed to do, but they don't do them themselves. Once again, because they are superior, because they're way up there, because they are the leaders, the well-known, the rich, the famous, they play by a different set of rules. They would demand things of the little people, but them as the big people wouldn't do any of them. And it says in verse 6, they love the uppermost rooms at the feast. And the chief seats in the synagogue, boy, they got the best seating everywhere. The greetings in the markets and being called of all men, Rabbi, Rabbi, meaning teacher, teacher. Hey, you know, come teach us something. Come tell us something. You know, and a lot of these people, you know, preachers too. I mean, they'll have these people. They follow them around. Just oh, you know, you know, doctor, doctor, which means teacher, teacher. I mean, same thing. You know, please, you know, tell us something. Share us some wisdom. You know, let a little bit of your greatness, please, rub off on me. Okay, all right, I'll do it. It's hard. It'd be hard not to. Thankfully, I don't struggle with that because I don't have people following me around like that and doing that to me. If I did, I'd probably struggle. And and here's the thing too. You know, everybody wants to be respected and admired and all those things, but for you to get to that point, you for and there's other verses we can go into. We don't have time, but people will try to lift you up. For some reason, people want to put you up on a pedestal. You might remember Paul and Silas, or Paul and Barnabas, the people wanted to worship them, didn't they? And when they said no, do not. Because in the chapter before that, people heard Herod talking. They said, it is the voice of a God. And Herod, he took the praise. 
And you know what? He got eaten of worms right there and he died. And in the next chapter, the people tried doing the same thing with Paul and Barnabas. And you know what those guys did? They rent their clothes and they panicked and they said, stop it. And then you know what the people did? They tried to kill them. And you know, if, if you start moving up the ranks and you become big and people start lifting you up, propping you up, praising you, worshiping you, and you say, knock it off, they'll knock it off and they'll knock you down too. And then you're not going anywhere. They'll turn on you. You'll be a bad guy. But if you take it, you get propped up. But And you might not get eaten of worms like Herod, which doesn't sound good. But God will knock you down eventually. And you know, you know how many people are probably devastated over this whole thing. And people who get devastated all the time when preachers fall. You know why? Because they make idols out of them. And while I thank God for preachers, there's people that I look up to and that I admire and respect in a lot of ways, but you know what? I'm not serving them. I'm not worshiping them. I'm following Jesus Christ. And as long as we lift Him up and we humble ourselves, we have a John the Baptist attitude, He must increase, I must decrease, we'll be alright. You know, Christ will exalt us. But if we try to exalt ourselves, if we let other people do it, we're treading on dangerous ground. And so, be careful, folks. Last thing we need is a scandal around here. Last thing I need is to get myself in trouble. And, you know, don't on purpose try to humble me. You know, <laughs> you know don't, don't on purpose try to make me feel bad and stuff like that. I'm not telling, I'm not telling you to do that, but man, don't give me more than I deserve. Don't give me what you should be giving to God. What belongs to God, you give to God. He's not going to share it with me. Don't, don't take your tithe and give it to me instead of give it to, it's His. I don't want it. You know, and don't, your, the praise, your worship, your everything that belongs to God, give it to Him and I'll be safe. You'll be safe. And stop making idols out of people. If you do, eventually they're going to be like Dagon. They're going to be falling on their face. They're going to have their heads cut off, hands cut off, right there, humbled, humiliated. And I don't want it. I don't want no part. I don't want no part of that. But it can happen. So, with that, let's all stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Fallen idols. Another.